Live Shenanigans Podcast, social commentary, hot topics, amazing guests with a ton of fun and shenanigans along the way. Today's show, Melissa Engel will be joining us. She's a transgender former employee at Twitter who was fired by Elon Musk, and she's here to tell her story. Robbie also wanted to talk about Brittany Griner being chosen over Paul Whelan to return home after a prisoner swap with Russia. And we'll start off today's podcast remembering. Grant Wall, the CBS sports journalist and colleague of our own Lizzie, who recently and suspiciously passed away while covering the World Cup in Qatar, and famed author of the book Showtime, which was recently adapted into an HBO series, and our friend of the podcast, Jeff Perlman, will be joining us and Lizzie to talk about their friend and his impact on the sports world. Before we get into our podcast, let me introduce you to my amazing co-host, first up, our lovely professor, journalist, and editor, streaming live from Washington, D.C., Miss Lizzie. Whoop, whoop, whoop. What's up, what's up? Happy Sunday, fun day, everyone. I hope you guys had a great week, that you are well, feeling good. Um, for me, it's been kind of like a topsy-turvy week, moments where I felt like I was in a twilight zone. Um, there's been a lot going on domestically, internationally, but also personally um, for me over the past week. So here to talk about some of that, but also just happy to be here overall. Just happy to be here. Yeah, it sounds like it had a really, really rough week. Yeah, yeah it was. It was. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. <laughs> All right, we'll get into it during the show then. All right, and our nature lover, gamer, and rock star coming to you from Ontario, Canada, Mr. Rob E. Rock. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Uh, yeah, no, I had another busy week again as we inch towards Christmas. Uh, we had uh, our annual team lunch at work, uh, which was nice because we haven't had it uh, the last couple of years. Uh, my wife and I wrapped more gifts for the kids, and we finished addressing our greeting cards while taking in some World Cup action. So it's nice cool. to see that both teams that beat Canada in the first round are through to the quarterfinals, so props to Croatia and Morocco. But I would love to see France and Argentina at this point. Uh, Mbappe, Giroud, Griezmann, Dembele. Looks so impressive for France. It's some beautiful soccer right now. You're just you're just naming off names that I've never heard before. It tells you how much I know soccer. Uh, you got to drink it in, my friend. You got to drink it in. A quick, quick question about you, that that work festive party. Was it a potluck? Oh, no, there we go. No, Talk no, about no, potlucks. No, no, no. It, it was great because my director always pulls us, does uh, a little online poll, and uh, I guess we were pretty split because we got pizza and Chinese food. Um, although oh, I did list my food allergy as being any food that doesn't contain flakes of gold, uh, but we didn't see any schlock. So. <laughs> Silly. Okay, Rob. All right. And our college student model entrepreneur streaming from Atlanta, Georgia, Miss Gianni Storm. Gianni. Hey guys, I miss you. I miss you. Um, I think I'm gonna actually move to Canada with Rob next because I can't I can't live in Atlanta anymore. It's really it's really a mess. Um, it's dangerous. I almost my car was almost robbed again. 
Again, well, where are you parking your car? Get rid of that car. Get a different car. I think you're right. I think you're right, Lizzie. I parked it in front of my apartment, Neo. It's, it's just bad. I think I've had to get rid of the cars first. Well, is Canada safer? I don't know. Canada's safer. Rob's over there doing Christmas cards, and it's fun, and it's <laughs> You could do Christmas cards. I was going to say, that's what makes where? it safe. I can Christmas cards here in DC. <laughs> this seems like it's a safe space. I feel like there's more like happening in Canada that seems safer. Obviously, I'm joking. There's it's danger everywhere, but I don't know. It's just right now, it's like a Rob's, Rob's kind of in a boonie, so maybe. I don't know. <laughs> well, also, too, Canada's very cold, and you get cold when it's like 60 degrees in Atlanta. So mm, I do. Good point. Good point. Rhode Island girl. She's got good. winter down. Good point. She is not claiming that. <laughs> <laughs> right, Liz. I'm like, I don't even like the cold at all. I hate the cold. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And I am, of course, Neo Nix. And I was. I was actually at another holiday party last night. It was not a potluck, Lizzie. <laughs> so, but, but as most of you know, my wife owns a fitness studio, Pie Cycling and Fitness in College Park. She had a holiday party last night. And you know, I was kind of feeling bad when I got there because uh, since the pandemic, I really hadn't spent much time working out there like I should. So, <laughs> yeah, I felt kind of weird going in with with all those fit people up in there you know i've been so busy i just haven't been to the studio like i'm supposed to with all these fit people all around me i was like uh, i was feeling out of place <laughs> so i got i gotta get back into shape that's one thing i learned last night is that i definitely need to get back into the gym so it motivated you, it motivated you. yeah yeah i'll give you that it did motivate me so <laughs> i told one of her, her instructors that i would definitely be back to their class and then I, I quickly found out how hard she was so i was like well maybe not your class <laughs> <laughs> go hard or go home, though. Go hard or go home. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into our show. This past week, uh, CBS sports journalist Grant Wall, a colleague of Lizzie, and one of the most respected soccer reporters in the country, in the world, died while covering the FIFA World Cup in Qatar. CBS News reported Friday that Grant had suffered a heart attack at the stadium. And on a podcast Thursday, Grant had mentioned that he had contracted bronchitis, which had forced him to take several days off from reporting. He also said that he'd visited the clinic several times, but had been feeling better. It should be noted that just before Thanksgiving on November 21st, Grant was detained for 30 minutes at the stadium by World Cup security for wearing a rainbow soccer shirt in support of the LGBTQ community. And his brother, Eric Wall, who also reported that recently Grant had received death threats. And this makes his sudden death very suspicious. So let's bring in our friend, Jeff Perlman. I'll turn things over to you, Lizzie, for a few thoughts. Come on in, Jeff. So everyone, I want to welcome back to the show, Jeff Perlman, nationally and world-renowned author, um, sports journalist. And he and I worked together at Sports Illustrated, also with Grant Wall for a number of years. So Jeff is joining us to talk about um, his memories of Grant Wall, how they met, and just kind of reflect on uh, their interactions and who he was as a journalist and what he meant to the sports world. So, Jeff, when did you guys first meet? So I arrived at Sports Illustrated in 1996, at the very end of 1996. And Grant had been there maybe two months. And we all started, as you know, we started back in the day when Sports Illustrated was an enormous weekly magazine with, I mean, more than 3 million subscribers. And 
there was this thing in the in one hallway called the bullpen. And we were all hired as fact checkers, sort of writers or writer reporters and scratching and clawing to get our name in the magazine and just fighting to get any look. Um, it was almost like being sort of like a minor league ball player fighting to make the majors. And we were all in this hallway and there were two of us. That's when I first knew Grant is we were both sitting in the hallway and had our offices with other writers and just trying to make it in the business. And he was a very young, very hungry, very dogged. Um, he was, uh, he, you know, out of Princeton from Kansas who really, really, the thing that was interesting about Grant, I mean, you and I talked about this the other day is um, he never had any doubt. Like I had a lot of doubt or not a lot of doubt, but I, I was intimidated by sort of the Rick Riley's and the Bill Knacks and all those writers and being there with these superstars. I don't think he ever was. I think he felt like he belonged from the beginning. So we were all in that world. I think that's one of the things that I remember most about Grant is um, his tenacity and his no fear attitude. And that's one of the things that I really admired. And looking back and thinking about who he was, who we were at Sports Illustrated at the time. So you got there in 96. I got there two years later in 98. So you guys were kind of already establishing yourselves. He definitely had already had a cover story at that time. Uh, I think it was you, Grant, and my other fave, John Wertheim. So it was like the three of you. And they were kind of the young stars at Sports Illustrated at that time. Jeff was the fun homeboy, right? Wertheim was fun in a different way. Wertheim was fun. Exactly. But, but I'm, not, I'm not joking. Like, when, when Jeff texts me, you know, throughout the week, we, we keep in touch quite frequently. He'll just text one word, and it's usually word. I mean, that's, you know, that's Jeff. But, yeah. you know, um, Wertheim was also fun, but in a different way. Wertheim really liked to get the info, whether it be info about a story or it be gossip. Like, he was really into the stories behind the scenes and talking to you and sitting down with the girls in the library and just shooting the shit and just talking about things. But also a very brilliant writer like Jeff. Grant was all business, mm -hmm. all business, all the time. He was very much into research. He was very much into knowing his shit when it came to um, whatever topic he was writing about. Back then in the early days, he was covering college basketball. Um, so he hadn't really convinced SI to cover soccer yet. And so that's when I worked with him, Jeff, like those early days when he was still covering college basketball. When he switched over to soccer, then we kind of really didn't work together that much. I, I did maybe one or two soccer stories over my 18 years at Sports Illustrated. But early on, I, I experienced the hungry, hungry Grant, like you just described, the one who had no fear, who would look anybody in the eye and say, you know, do you know who I am? I'm Grant Wall. This is what my story is. This is what I want to say. Do not edit my pieces. Do not change my words. Do not, like, even if as a fact checker, I was checking something that he wrote and there may have been a discrepancy, like, it was a fight because Grant knew whatever he put on the table, whatever he submitted, he knew that it was factual and that he had done everything he could to get the facts for that story. And I always admired and appreciated that about him. So for you guys, was he more than a colleague and more like a friend or what was he to you? I think Jeff was probably closer to him in that respect um, than I was. Jeff, what do you think? I actually think it's really interesting. Like when someone passes away, our first reaction is to say every warm, 
platitude about the person, which is totally understandable and fair. But I almost feel like it's a little dishonest. Like Grant was actually really complicated. Um, as you sort of alluded to, we, we came up together and I had spent two and a half years at a newspaper before I got to Sports Illustrated. So I was a year older than Grant, but I spent a, two and a half years at the Nashville Tennessean. And I was, I got my, my asshole out of me at the Tennessean, a lot of it, where I would argue with editors and I thought I was the best guy there. And I thought I was amazing. You know, like I, I got that out of me to a large degree and I got demoted when I was at the newspaper and I got punished a lot and I took risks that were stupid. And I just did a lot of things. And at one point they offered me mentors and I actually turned them down. I said, I don't need mentors. This is when I was at the Tennessean. And I just got beaten with a stick a lot at the Nashville, Tennessee, and I really did. And by the time I came to Sports Illustrated, I had a little more maturity because of that experience. And Grant didn't really have that experience. I think he had interned at the Miami Herald, but he didn't have a staff position coming to SI. So, and John, we're time because the three of us were always moved up together. John had worked at Rip City Magazine. He also had a law degree. Like he had some experiences in his life. And Grant came and he was very young and he was very confident. And he was definitely cocky and he definitely rubbed editors the wrong way as a young reporter. And in a lot of ways, it's funny because I wrote, I wrote a book called three ring circus about Jack and Kobe. And I'm not comparing like Grant Wall to Kobe Bryant. That's a stupid comparison. But like (laughs) when I wrote about John Kobe and he shows up with the Lakers, you know, he's talking trash to players and he thinks he's the greatest player in the NBA. And like what happens over time, what certainly happened to Kobe Bryant is you're not the same guy at 22 or even or 18 or whatever that you are at 40 and grant through the years really became a sort of mature presence in soccer a elder statesman almost in soccer he he used his hunger which he had from the beginning and his ambition which he had in droves from the beginning to become this really important figure in u.s soccer and that's not an exaggeration like when we were when when newman and i were at si nobody gave a shit about soccer nobody cared about soccer nobody cared about soccer. It was a non-entity of that magazine. If you had two soccer stories a year in SI, that was probably a lot. And he came along and he changed the approach to covering soccer. And a lot of that actually ties to his ambition, his doggedness, his bullheadedness, his determination. So what was maybe a weakness at 22 wound up being a real strength for him later on in his career. And I think like he and I definitely, and I'm sure you guys can picture it, you know, two headstrong reporters at SI. Now, granted, pun intended, but granted, <laughs> granted. You know, he, he definitely had um, a far higher level of success at SI than I did. But I still believe in myself and in my work. And so we butted heads a couple of times. Nothing serious. Nothing mm-hmm. serious. But the one time that we did butt heads where I was pissed, kind of was after he left college basketball and took on the soccer beat and was starting to transition and make that beat his own. Mm -hmm. And he had made a comment, dogging college basketball, dogging the NCAA tournament. And so I felt like he was being a hypocrite. And so I called him out on it. And that was like our big kind of, you know, (laughs) butting heads moment. But then after that, I saw him like maybe two months after that, in the in the hallway and i wasn't gonna speak you know me I was <laughs> yeah <forever>. yeah we know <laughs> i wasn't gonna speak and grant also called me newman i, I everyone at si called me newman actually <laughs> and he was like hey what's up newman how you doing and i, I was kind of shocked i was taken aback because i was just like oh but we're not in a thing anymore right okay that's fine cool 
And, you know, when I left Sports Illustrated in 2016, I was a part of that last round of layoffs in 2016. Hadn't seen or spoken to Grant in several months, but they, you know, I sent out a nice um, farewell email to everyone. And, you know, word travels, people knew who got laid off at the end of the year. And out of nowhere, Grant sent me a very nice departure email, you know, and it, it, it kind of like, like, like Jeff said, it was kind of enhancing or solidifying how complex people can be. Like in mm-hmm. one moment, they can be very um, intense. They can be very curt. They can be, you know, very tenacious and in your face and about business. But then there can be this other side. And I think we've seen the, a lot of people talk about the other side of Brent Wall over the past 48 hours, things or sides of him that I never even knew. Um, and even, you know, so when the, the incident happened with the LGBTQ shirt, mm-hmm. um, Neo and I were going back and forth about the intention behind that, who was right, who was wrong. And, you know, I was steadfastly defending Grant. Yep. I mean, 100%. So it was a very long thread that we had <laughs> we, on, we, online. It was very um, long. Going back and forth. <laughs> and at the end of it, I kind of, you know, paused and I was like, you know, who are you? Like, who is this Newman defending Grant Wall of all people? <laughs> because I, I just never imagined that, you know, I would be like, no, Grant, no, no, no. But I understood, at least from my perspective, I understood his intent in that moment and what he was talking about in that as it related to FIFA's and Qatar's hypocrisy. Um, it's been a weird 48 hours. Like, Jeff, how did you find out? Yeah. What were your first thoughts when you found out? So it's interesting. I found out very early on, actually, um, a former colleague of ours who I won't name just for his own privacy reached out to me and he said, um, he works in journalism still. And he said, I'm hearing this report about Grant that he might've had a heart attack while covering the World Cup. And I was like, oh my God, no, I hope this isn't true. And I reached out to another colleague of ours and I said, do you know anyone covering the World Cup? And this person said, "Uh, yeah, I do a lot of people. And I said, I heard this about, I said, I'm not, I made it clear, I'm not trying to, I, I don't, this is not about reporting some news. I'm trying to find out, I just want to find out. And, uh, then someone reached back out to me and said, I have really bad news. I think he, it sounds like he died. One of our reporters is telling me that he died of a heart attack. And the weird thing about it all, I kept saying this to my wife, is it happened in a press box where social media was functioning. It's not like Qatar cut off, you know, social media. Mm-hmm. They didn't get anything about it. In fact, the first person to put it on Twitter was Grant's brother. And I didn't even realize it was Grant's brother because he, he has a sort of strange moniker on Twitter. And I was really just, it's a, you know, I know this sounds simplistic, like really simplistic. It's weird that someone can exist and not exist, you know? And like you talk about someone like Newman and I've been talking about Grant and then you forget like, holy, whatever your religious beliefs are even like, this guy does not exist. Like he does not exist anymore. Like uh, I was texting him X number of days ago and now it doesn't exist. And it's weird. And then I was talking with Wertheim about it, a good friend of mine. And the thing that's sad about all this one of the things that I hate about this whole thing is like, all right, he dies. We talk about him. We talk about him. We talk about him. We're, it's it's heartbreaking. And but then NFL Sunday comes or whatever comes, and we just move on. Life, life moves on. Do. I don't. I yeah. don't know what else. Well, I don't know what the alternative is. But it's all really jarring, and it's really sad. And at the end of the day, 
his wife no longer has her husband and yeah. his, you know, his family no longer has their, whatever their brother. And it just sucks. Like it just on a human yeah. level really sucks. I mean, I too found out initially via text um, and I got this, it was a group text and someone in the text was just like, I'm hearing this from a source. And then the source wrote in the text that they had spoken to his wife and she had confirmed reports that he had passed away in car. And so I, I mean, I couldn't even scream. I was just like, you have got to be kidding me. And so I immediately texted two people, Jeff. And our other former Sports Illustrated colleague, BJ Schechter, because those were the two guys that I had texted two weeks ago to get Grant's information to try to get him to come on this show. Grant and I had texted a week and a half ago about him coming on this show. And so under the umbrella of everything that happened with him being detained and you know him speaking out about what was going on in Qatar, of course, when I first heard that, I the worst. I thought the worst. And when I asked Jeff in my text, did you hear this? And Jeff responded, yeah, I think he had a heart attack. No, I asked Jeff if he heard it. And he said, yes. And in capital letters, I'm like, what happened? Like, it was just so shocking. So shocking because we were just talking about him. He had just been on Fox the day before. The other thing is, um, it's almost hard to explain in this era of journalism and media, but like, the Sports Illustrated Newman and I came up in. I hate when people say like family because this team is a family, like it's cliche. But there was a real sort of almost like college dorm feel to it yeah. all. And it was all these people in this hallway who were really hungry and scratching and clawing. And like I was fighting for the same bylines Grant was fighting for, Wertheim was fighting for, and like a million different people in that hallway. And we were all there. And then you'd go out and you'd drink with them and you'd whatever. And it's just like, now we're all, we're all in our twenties and now we're in our forties and fifties. And it feels, I hate saying family, but it feels like a family member has died where yeah. the next hours, mm-hmm. there's all these sports illustrated people filling up my DMS, filling up Newman's mm-hmm. DM. What happened? What happened? And it just feels like a relative died. Yeah. That's how it feels. But Jeff, to, I mean, when we think about our colleagues and peers at work, we spend 40 hours plus a mm-hmm. week with these people, Sometimes more which than is family, more time right? than I put in with my best friends, with some of, with a lot of my family members. So I can definitely appreciate that feeling of loss. Um, I know in the last few months, I, we, we lost a, a coworker and someone that I've known for 20 years. And that's walking into the building the first time was just such a surreal moment where that's it. Just this person no longer exists. I'm never going to see Charlie in this building again. So I, I can really relate to what you're saying on a human level. I'm really connecting. One thing that also makes it kind of surreal, um, at least for me, is that experiencing this loss with the world also experiencing it at the same time. Like for the most part, you know, when we when someone dies, a friend of ours, family, or whatever, it's a very personal experience that we have to explain to other people. I don't, I can't remember the last time I like turned on the news and there is my former colleague being talked about his death mm-hmm. or yeah. um, there being suspicions, suspicions about his death that people are writing about and commenting on or people asking me, Hey, did you know this guy? And I'm like, yeah, I did. Like, it's just, it's been just crazy. It's been yeah. crazy in the past 48 hours. So Jeff, did you have any final thoughts about Grant and what you felt? I think the one thing I will say is, um, you know, Grant was a really good reporter and a really good writer and a really good guy. 
One thing that bothers me, and I hope people can avoid to a certain degree, is the speculation without basis. The uh, gossip. Yes. Thank you. How did he die? What happened? Mm -hmm. He was killed. You know, there were people, when I wrote something about Grant, who were filling it up. This was clearly blank. And I'm like, no, this was not clearly (laughs) blank. We actually don't know what happened. We have no idea what happened. I'm not going to speculate that he was murdered, that I don't know what happened. And I just think we live in this era that's so... It's anti everything we learned at Sports Illustrated, which is report, 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 know your facts. So to me, his death is a horrible tragedy. I am terribly sad about it. It sucks a million times over, but I'm just not going to speculate what happened. Yeah, I totally agree. And I feel like I've had to temper, I've had to temper the inclination to do that. Um, Because like I said, you know, you, you automatically jump to one thing and you have these conversations privately, but I have no right to have that conversation publicly and put any of yeah. what I'm thinking behind the scenes out there for people to jump on as a part of some conspiracy theory. Like that's not responsible. That's not respectful to Grant or his family. Um, so yeah. Yep. yeah. 100. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for joining us and talking about Grant. We have to get you back on the show again. I know, I know we've been trying to for weeks, but we've been, <laughs> haven't been able to work it out. So, but we want to talk yeah, about your, your new projects and what you're working on now. You've got a new book going out. So yeah. we've got to get you, you back on. Can you guys do me one favor and all agree with me, except for Newman, that Daryl Hall has a better voice than Johnny Gill. Will you stop? <laughs> Daryl Hall Bye. and Oates. Gill, I'm with you. <laughs> Think Daryl Hall has a better voice than Johnny? Than Johnny Gill? Gill? Yes, oh, I'm man. going with I'm going with Daryl Hall. Oh, <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for joining us. We appreciate you. <laughs> we'll wait for Jeff to close things out. <laughs> That's something that we argue about all the time. <laughs> Like the, the rapper Zoom. from Public Enemy even told Jeff that he was crazy for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, let's move on to our guest today. As many of you are aware, Elon Musk bought Twitter for 44, $44 billion, I almost said million, $44 billion. <laughs> and after months of legal battles, he finally took over in October and wasted absolutely no time making his mark, firing about half of the workforce. Reportedly, he targeted people who criticized him and even allegedly told a janitor that his job would be replaced by robots. <laughs> At one point, he'd fired so many people that he realized he actually needed some of them and asked them to come back. <laughs> and then let's talk about the hate speech. After taking over, he reinstated many accounts that were removed for hate speech, including that of a certain former president that caused the attack on the Capitol. And since taking over, The New York Times reports slurs against black people have nearly tripled, against gay men nearly double, and anti-Semitic posts a 60% increase. And on top of that, they're not being monitored or removed since he fired most of the team that does that. The only notable exception he's made was a personal temporary suspension of Kanye West, aka Ye, after he tweeted a swastika. Well, today we have a special guest, Melissa Engel a transgender woman who was a senior data scientist at Twitter and one of those fired by Elon Musk. In this week's Spotlight, she's going to share with us what she experienced there at Twitter. Hey, Melissa, welcome to our podcast. Oh, look at the baby, the doggy. Very nice picture, very nice picture of the two of you. Welcome. 
Thank you. All right, before we get started, we have to ask you the question we ask all of our guests. What can you tell us about yourself that we cannot Google about you? Absolutely. So um, in my current life, I'm a data scientist. Uh, in a previous life, for about 20 years, uh, I live in San Francisco. Uh, and for about 20 years in the Bay Area, I was heavily involved in the local theater scene. Nice. I acted in plays and I sang in musicals. And I even formed a theater uh, company uh, with my two friends. And we produced four plays. And it used to be oh, such nice. a huge part of my life. And sometimes it still seems surreal that uh, I don't do it anymore. But uh, uh. yeah. Oh, well, that's that's wonderful. So theater. All right. So so you're going to do some acting. Gianni Storm, you can, uh, you know, you guys can do some acting together someday. Collaboration. Collaboration. Very quickly, what's your dog's name? This is Biscuit. Hi, Biscuit. Biscuit. I like it. Buttermilk Biscuit. Hi, Biscuit. Okay. So, so Melissa, so you were a data scientist at Twitter. Tell us a little bit about your job. And then also tell us what happened April 14th after you found out Elon Musk was going to buy Twitter. You know, what was going through your mind? Were you excited? Were you hopeful? Were you scared? Were you angry? What were you feeling? Kind of all of the above. So um, <laughs> uh, I worked in um, content moderation. So specifically, I worked in political misinformation. And really, our job was to keep the, the Twitter platform um, healthy. We worked under Twitter health. We wanted to keep it free of misinformation. Uh, other people worked on abuse, um, harassment, um, more boring things like copyright infringement that are still really important, maybe not as, as sexy as political misinformation, but um, really important for our, our platform's health. So I'm a data scientist. I wrote and monitored uh, machine learning algorithms that uh, searched uh, the Twitter for political misinformation, and then uh, we ranked them highly enough. And if they ranked, if they had misinformation, we would take them down. Okay. When Mr. Musk first proposed buying Twitter back in April, we felt like we had a target on our backs. Oh, immediately. immediately yeah. Oh, wow. He immediately started by saying that he didn't like content moderation. He wanted the platform to be, quote, free speech. Mm -hmm. But those of us working in the trenches in content moderation, we knew that that's not a viable way to run a social media platform. And it's not even just a gut instinct or, or something I believe in my heart. We have plenty of data on this. Mm -hmm. If you look at social media platforms that don't have content moderation, they have names like Gab or 4chan or 8chan or 8coon, and they are toxic environments that people don't want to be on. You don't want to be on a platform that has where you're barraged with racism, where only you're barraged with homophobia, where only the most extreme viewpoints survive. So it was difficult to say, what is Mr. Musk saying? What does he really believe versus what is he saying? Because he has this sort of blustery public persona that is sometimes at odds with what he's actually doing. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that clear? So you were part of that team that got fired for, like you said, the content moderation. So that's what you were doing. So what do you think about where it is now, out of curiosity? It's really bad. I mean, the, the reason we worked there is because we all believed in the platform. You know, the tech industry were quite idealistic at times. We really think we can, we can make the world better uh, with, our, with our technology. And we all really believed in Twitter. I've been a Twitter user for a really long time, and it's really sad to see where it's going. As you alluded to in the introduction, hate speech is up against 
all groups, um, people of color, LGBTQ people. Just today, Mr. Musk uh, tweeted out an insult insinuating that the former head of trust and safety, Joel Roth, who's an openly gay man, Mm -hmm. uh, was a groomer. Mm. And it's really, really... um, Can you explain what that means, a groomer? Absolutely. Yeah. So this is somebody who is supposedly using a a child, preparing a child um, to be sexually exploited later Mm -hmm. on. And it's a real process, but it's also something that is now being applied across the board to any LGBTQ person who interacts with children. Mm -hmm. And it's led to some really dangerous rhetoric. We see recent violence at drag shows, um, protests outside of uh, uh, just anti-LGBTQ prospects in general. Mm-hmm. The New York Times reported that there was a 12 times increase in anti-LGBTQ protests between 2020 to 2022. It's a dangerous environment, and he seems to be using this to fuel engagement at his Twitter. Wow, that's crazy. Did you ever get to meet him, Melissa? I did it, uh, although one of my colleagues uh, did and um, told him off and was escorted out of the building. So. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. well, that's good to hear. I, I was a very junior employee. I just ran code. I, I had to know my math. I had to know my, my, my algorithms, but I wasn't really responsible um, for, for making uh, the decisions. And I, I understand why people who are more senior are reluctant to talk, to speak out. Um, but, you know, I think the word needs to get out there. All right. So several months later, October 27th, he officially takes over. What did you experience? When he took over, he sent out an email to all the full-time employees on Thursday. And it said, tomorrow you're going to get an email in your inbox and it's going to have your fate at Twitter. And if you're oh, fired, wow. it'll be to your personal horrible. email. It is horrible. It's awful. You can imagine the effect that would have on morale, right? Yeah, immediately. Even if you did stay. Yeah, yeah. And and so I was a contractor. I had a Twitter email address. I was on Twitter Mm -hmm. Slack channels. I have code that's still running on the site as far as I know. Mm -hmm. So in the tech industry, uh, contractors work 40 or more hours a week, although we only pay for 40 the whole thing treated us as, as regular employees. We go to meetings. We just don't get health care and we don't get benefits, right? Right. Of that's course. what yeah, that's right. about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't given that email that said your, your fate um, is going to be tomorrow. Right. The regular full-time employees were supposed to be fired the next morning. Mm-hmm. But at about 11 p.m. local time, people were starting to report they're getting kicked off the system. Mm. So mm. people in New York City... People at 11 p.m., I'm kicked off, I'm locked off. Sometimes when they're in the middle of running code. Wow. And then you saw it oh, hit wow. Chicago. And then you saw it hit, you know, in the mountain time zone. And it was like this tidal wave coming across the United States. I'm on the West Coast. And you were like, am I going to be hit by this? My boss was laid off in that round. The head of the department quit soon after because she was disgusted with how people were treated. Of course. And I was in this limbo. I didn't. I didn't have a new assignment, and I didn't have a boss. Wow. But keep in mind, this is the week of the U.S. midterms, and I work in political misinformation. Oh wow! Oh, wow. That is wow. crazy. It, it, it was just extremely disorganized, and we, nobody knew what to do. Should I put in the twelve hours of work to keep this platform safe, or do I just put my head between under my covers and, and sleep? I, you know, you don't know what to do. So that happened, that passed. Um, I, I, I deal with stress by working through it. So I worked mm-hmm. long hours 
uncertain about my future. And that Saturday, uh, the Saturday after the elections, I got a text on my phone that said, uh, one more of your access tokens has been removed. So so nobody even told you. They just started. Nobody told me. Oh, wow. Got some comments online real quick. Uh, Kevin Thaxton, free speech is only for freedom from government action reprisal. Uh, Jacqueline Robson, the place is a cesspool of vileness now. Musk is a despicable, toxic, malignant narcissist whose big mouth wrote a check his ass can't cash. Advertisers are steadily leaving and his Tesla stock is way down. He's one users to pay for his piss poor fiscal decisions. Daria Winter, what happened with employee rights and protections? Were there none? What has happened to advertisers? Have any pulled out from support of the platform? Are you aware of any, Melissa? Yes. So before he actually completed the purchase of the company, so this was in May and June, Twitter typically holds its what they call their, it's like their upfronts, like their TV upfronts, where they can purchase their ad sales for the entire year, usually responsible for about 15% of their total uh, ad revenue sales. And you may or may not know about 90% of Twitter revenue is from advertisers, right? That's how we make Mm -hmm. our money. Mm -hmm. So Musk has tweeted out that because of uh, quote unquote activists, LGBTQ activists, revenue is way down. What happened is activists attended this and because of his previous statements about on LGBTQ issues, they said, Hey, could you just answer some basic questions about protections that you can offer mm-hmm. when your mm-hmm. purchase goes through? When you're in charge, are you going to continue to protect people? Mm-hmm. And he refused to answer them. And so advertisers refused to buy. Yep. Since then, advertisers have also begun leaving Good. Um, because there's a, you don't want your ad placed right underneath a uh, exactly. one that's snoring somebody. Right. Exactly. Hate, hate speech. Exactly. Yeah. In your opinion or your assessment, what do you think will happen with Twitter and also with um, with you? What's next with you? That's a really interesting question, right? Because he's floated a lot of ideas. His leadership has been quite chaotic. Uh, he said, oh, he's going to make it a video site. So he wants to bring videos. That's where social media, <laughs> yeah, it's been tried before, right? That's sort of the TikTokification of, 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 of Twitter. He wants to make it, everybody wants to be TikTok now. You can see it on Instagram. Yeah, everybody's trying. Mm-hmm. They're all trying to be that, right? Okay, but that's not what makes Twitter what it is. It's the smallest platform by far, about one-tenth of the size of these other platforms. But every journalist and every politician in the world seems to be on it, right? So it has this outside influence. So one way is to go this sort of TikTokification, which I think drains it of its what makes it essential. Another way would be the professionalization of it, the sort of LinkedInification of it. You can already see this sometimes as CEOs tweeting out, here's my seven steps to productivity. You, you start to see these come up. Yeah. Ultimately, this may be the death now. We've seen this to several social media sites, to MySpace, to Tumblr, to Snapchat, where another service has taken what they've, de- they've done and been able to copy it more successfully, and they've never been able to recover. And this might suggests that it's going to go back to the early 2000s when we had all these little sites like Dig and Tumblr and all these sites that you could post to, but there wasn't a central repository. Yep. Mm-hmm. But one thing I will say is that you don't want to be on a site where you're constantly subjected to this abuse. Yep. And advertisers don't want to be advertised on that site. So something that. has to yeah. be done. Lizzie, you had something? In your estimation, how long do you think 
Elon Musk is going to stick around though with this. How long do you yeah, think he's going to be invested in this? Yeah, he, this is something he said right at the top. I don't plan to be in day-to-day leadership forever. I plan to step back. What he's doing right now, you know, you may or may not be aware, he's releasing these quote-unquote Twitter files, which are internal communications that top executives had. He's released ones about the suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story, uh, the suppression of the kicking off Donald Trump after Jan 6, and then supposed uh, shadow banning. And <laughs> I think you can quibble about was it correct for Twitter to suppress the laptop story? Was it correct for Twitter to kick off Donald Trump? Or is what we're actually doing shadow banning? We said it wasn't. They say it is. But you can't say that this was hidden. This was all very, very public. Mm -hmm. Uh, We talked about this for years. Joel Roth, Jack Dorsey have been very public about how they agonized about these decisions. Jack Dorsey has said he thinks kicking off Trump was wrong. I have... Very strong feelings in the opposite direction about that. I think. I'm going to ask. What were your thoughts? <laughs> yeah. Robbie, did you have something? Actually, I just want to reflect on uh, one of Daria Winter's comments uh, when she's saying, what happened to employee rights and protections? A big yeah. shift over the last few decades is that the responsibility is to the shareholders, not to the employees who support and build the platform. And there are very few tech unions out there to protect people. But for Melissa, I'm very curious, in your opinion, what is the biggest or some of the biggest blunders uh, that Elon has made since taking over Twitter? Yeah. <laughs> Do we have a list? Right? She might have a. <laughs> she might have it written <laughs> down somewhere. It might be. <laughs> I'm looking for maybe the top. <laughs> That's right. I, I'll keep it to the top two or three. Um, okay. <laughs> so first of all, if you look at the tech landscape as it exists right now, we've seen layoffs are happening. There's a downshift in the economy. Yeah. Yeah. Meta has laid off 11,000 workers. We've got Amazon laying off people. We've got you know Microsoft laying off people. Were layoffs going to happen at Twitter regardless? Most likely. But there was no kind of managed transition. At Twitter, there were, for instance, there were three of us data scientists working on political misinformation. And there's lots of other people working. We're just saying three data scientists. All three of us are now gone. Hmm. What you do with the layoffs is you do a managed transition where you make sure subject areas are covered. Somebody else can pick this up with a knowledge or somebody can get trained with new knowledge. What he's done is essentially taken a giant sword and cut us right down the middle without regard to job function. Not to mention the contractor workforce who did the the grunt work, most of whom did the grunt work of reading through tweets. I mean, awful work. You leave some of them with really tough PTSD. Those have been from 5,500 employees to 4,400 were cut. So the majority of them were cut. Many of them in the global south. Anywhere besides the U.S. have been left with almost no protections. And it's really, really, I'm terrified about what's going to happen. Unfortunately, we're running low on time. I just want to, I'm curious what you're up to now. Right now, I'm desperately looking for work, to be honest with you. Um, Me too. (laughs) (laughs) I still teach data science and analytics nights and weekends for some coding stuff, but I'm just looking for a full-time job. And it's just, it's a scramble. The holidays are coming up. Mm -hmm. There's a hundred or thousand more of us who are laid off in tech across the U.S. It is an absolute scramble. So that's what I'm doing. And you didn't receive any severance either, did you? Oh, that's another thing. That's severance. I think contractors usually don't. Not a contract, yeah. Yeah, contractors usually don't. Yeah. Yeah, I did get a nice box of Christmas chocolates. (laughs) 
Well, Melissa, well, I do want to thank you for joining us. This was an incredible conversation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've been talking about Elon Musk for a while and kind of to hear some of the background of you know, what was going on, what you were seeing is really enlightening to all of us. So we definitely appreciate you coming on and sharing that and having the courage to do that. Happy to speak. Thank you for any, having me. Any final thoughts that you'd like to share? Yeah. Listen, people have suggested I'm out to get Elon Musk. I, I'm not. I want him to succeed because I want this platform to succeed, and I think he can still turn it around. Okay. Um, I'm on all the social medias, Melissa Engel, um, M1NGLE74. If you can remember that, feel free to search <laughs> me out. Wonderful. Thank you again, Melissa, for joining Thank us. We you do so appreciate much. your Good time. Good luck to you. Good, Good luck. luck. Thank you so much. Yeah. I really appreciate right. it. Thank you so much. Um, this is awesome. Yeah. I mean, very, that's very insightful. It's a very lot to insightful. go through. I mean, I can't even imagine having been in that situation where you're just trying to figure out what's going to happen to your job. And as a contractor for the federal government, we go through that a lot at the end of contracts. But generally, we just get picked back up and it's pretty straightforward. But it's still challenging when you have someone come in and you know as a contractor you're probably first to go <laughs> well, like uh, I pri- private I sector versus uh, public sector well like i mentioned briefly earlier you know i was laid off from sports illustrated and to hear someone say that in their layoff process they got a text i mean that just is just so despicable and disgusting That's like annoying. i had a sit down with my supervisor i got a ridiculous severance package because i'd been there for 18 and a half years and I know I was a contract, but just because you're a contract doesn't mean that you shouldn't be shown right. grace. Like at least have right. a conversation with these people, right. you know, yeah. Yeah. um, it's, it's, that was awful. That, that was awful in my opinion. Yeah. That's awful. Yeah. Awful. Way to part. Awful totally way. agree. All right. Let's get into our next topic. Truth. Our only topics. Right? We have all these heavy topics. All these heavy right. topics. There's a lot, <laughs> lot going. There's a lot going on in the world right now. A lot going on. All right, Robbie. Let's talk right. about Brittany Grinder. I called her Grinder. Let's, <laughs> let's talk uh, about right. Brittany Grinder. <laughs> so, for those of you who may not remember, Brittany Grinder was detained in Russia on February 17th for possession of cannabis oil in her luggage. On August 4th, she was sentenced to nine years in prison. July 27th, the Biden administration offered a prisoner swap with Russia to secure the release of both Greiner and American prisoner Paul Whelan. So then December 28th, 2018, Paul Whelan was arrested in Moscow under suspicion of espionage, bigger charge than, you know, the cannabis oil. Um, On December 8th, uh, she was released in a one-for-one trade prisoner swap for Victor Boot. Boot uh, served in the Russian military until its dissolution in 1991, um, and he's he was an arms dealer, uh, bringing weapons to Africa, Afghanistan, uh, Hezbollah. So, Griner for boot, no wheeling. Do you think that this is a good trade? Absolutely. And all of the people who are against this would not have had anything to say if Brittany Griner was the one who was still in the Russian jail. And we had exchanged Paul Whelan for boot. Like, there, there are a lot of underlying issues going on here, whether it be race whether it be gender, whether it be gender identity. Like, it pisses me off that we are deciding in this instance who is the better American. More valuable. Mm -hmm. Who is more patriotic? Who is more worthy? Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of these people who've been speaking out because they take issue with the fact that, you know, Brittany Griner at one point, you know, her, her right as an American citizen with free speech, 
spoke out against the national anthem and the flag. That is her right. What she didn't do was get court-martialed by the U.S. Marines and convicted of larceny like Paul Whelan. So, you know, if we're going to tell it, we got to tell it all. Like, do I want Paul Whelan to still be in prison in Russia? Absolutely not. But let's not portray him as, you know, some innocent here and portray Brittany Griner as the demon, because that's not what we're dealing with. Biden did the best that he could with what he had. And for anyone to say that, okay, well, we should have just left her there. That's BS. That's complete BS. And that's not very patriotic of you. And we have to remember that Paul Whelan was actually accused of espionage. And we don't know if that's true or not because the U.S. denies it. But if if it was a spy, if he was a spy, it makes sense that. So the Russians, he is a spy. And it's amazing that they didn't execute him. Espionage espionage is a very serious charge. It's a very serious charge. So it's not surprising that he would be treated differently to me. I feel as if, like Biden said, it was, I I don't know if he used the term unexpected, but it was like a one-to-one trade, but it wasn't originally like that. The deal was for both of them. So I feel like for people to That's what he asked for. uh, Yeah. As part of of negotiations, that's what he wanted to get. But Russia was like, oh no. That's why it's called a negotiation. Like all these people speaking out, talking about Biden didn't do this. Biden doesn't have the key to the jail cell. Mm-hmm. He has to negotiate with the Russian government over this. And let me ask right. you folks, hopefully y'all are listening. What did Trump do? Because Paul Whelan was in the Russian jail for two years while Trump was in yeah. office and nothing happened. And yeah. Paul Whelan is a Trump supporter, is a Trump advocate. Supposedly members of his family wrote to Trump asking for help. And he said, no, like, let, let's not put this all on Joe Biden and say Joe Biden turned against democracy and the American people for Brittany Griner. That's not what happened here. I think it was just crazy to think that people are being like traded and swapped off like they're just players on a chessboard. It's weird that we're like that having this. Sure. But they are. Uh, but po- they politically, are. this has been done between the Russia, Russia and U.S. for decades, oh, yeah. for decades. Oh, yeah. So and that's it. I'm, I'm happy that Brittany is out and she's with her family. But when I look at it from a political and military asset value, I don't know that it was a fair trade. That being said, it's one person for one person. People get their lives back. But Boot right. was a true badass, like a true badass uh, but- who disrupted politics who disrupted who caused who basically enabled war who profiteered not I mean, but they weren't on the same level a common thief they and, weren't going to offer up a common thief right like and you got to consider gonna, you know offer somebody like him boot only had uh, a few years left in prison anyway because they only they only got they only were able to convict him for i forget what it was they were only conv- able to convict him for a short sentence because they couldn't find the evidence beyond that at that point you know Brittany Griner 10 years versus Paul Whelan i think he might have had like a couple of years left on his sentence or whatever it was i think he got 16 years i think that's what it was 16 or 18 years okay so again for espionage that's a gift. That's a- so uh, it was a reasonable exchange, I think, 
it's unfortunate that it was someone like him. But, you know, what is this guy going to do anyway when he gets out? He's not going to be able to get back into the arms dealing business anyway. I don't know. Griner's back. It's unfortunate that she made the mistake of not following the rules and becoming a pawn in, you know, this game between the U.S. and Russia. But I think it was a good, yeah. good choice. And not we forget, this isn't the first swap of the year. Oh, uh, like, good point. Yeah. Trevor Reed was swapped earlier this year. Another American who was in a Russian jail. The Biden administration got him out earlier this year. So, I mean, there are several um, American citizens who are in Russian jails at this time. But think about the Biden administration. You know, within a year, they've already gotten out too. How many did Trump get out in his four years? Zero. Zero. All right, let's get to these comments online. Kevin Thaxon, it's up to the Russians to agree to the terms. No authoritarian government would give up a spy. Totally agree. Um, Thank you. Barry Winter said, not accused, but convicted. Biden did not request. Jacqueline Robinson, Whelan's family is still salty about IQ45's inaction and have been dragging him for days. Oh, really? Oh, wow. I, I didn't hear that. Robin Johnson, a military person was released earlier, so it isn't that USA has left military behind. And I think a lot of people don't understand how serious an espionage charge is. Mm. You know, people have been watching way too many TV movies Mm -hmm. and Mission Impossible and all that stuff. It's very serious. It's especially depending on what the spy did. What the spy did and which country. I mean, if this had been Korea, North Korea, he'd be dead. Yeah. 100%. Jacqueline Robinson, one last thing. The Whelan family graciously said that this was a good trade and they've admonished the armchair geopolitical experts to check themselves. White right wingers, wow, that's difficult, have really showed their asses this past week and exposed the Mayfair, the racist they are. Yeah, it, 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 it's sad. Um, but like Rob said, I'm, I'm happy, you know, she was in jail for nine months over a vaping from yeah. the country who, you know, was banned from the Olympics, who had to use a different, couldn't use their own flag, had to use a different name for the Olympics because they are premier doper. But I, I'm, I'm glad that she's home, especially in time for the holidays. And hopefully, yeah. you know, again, I don't want Paul Whelan to be there. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, something can happen within the you know coming months. Agreed. But let, let's stop all of this BS and, you know, trying to identify who's the better American. That, mm-hmm. that's, that, that's horrible. Yep. That's horrible. And that's yeah. not patriotic. Yep. It's not. All right. Is this truth, lies, or shenanigans? Lies, shenanigans. A little truth. It's some truth. That's some truth going on. I think Brittany Griner was a good choice. <laughs> Plus, Brittany Griner can advocate for Paul Whelan, too. Um, that's something to think Hopefully. about. She has, she has, and, and, and her wife has been. Her wife, they, they have been. You yeah. know, since her release. I think she committed to, uh, to doing it as well, to, to advocating for him. So, it, it brings about another question about, you know, are U.S. athletes going to continue to play in Russia? Mm-hmm. That's, that's uh, yeah, that's a good question because I know <laughs> after watching Griner, there's no way <laughs> I would go back. Yeah. <laughs> Never. All right, let's get into our game show. It's been a lot of difficult topics today, so let's get into our game show. See if we can lighten this up a little bit. This game was suggested by our own Rob B. We're playing Hangman. This game is provided by Hangman.io. I think we'll do a Wheel of Fortune style. The app will show blank spots for word or phrase. And give us a category. We'll start with Lizzie. 
you'll pick a letter. If the letter's in the word or phrase, uh, it'll display and she gets to continue picking until either she solves the word or misses a letter. If she misses, then Rob B will get to guess and so on. Whoever guesses the phrase gets a point. First with the most points after a couple of rounds, wins the game, gets the final thought for the show. And I'll try, try very hard to verbalize what's going on to our people listening. I'm going to say, I tried very hard not, not to, to cheat. cheat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do that every time we play. <laughs> All right. All right. Lizzie, you get to start us off. Category is vegetables. It's two words. The first word is five letters. Second word is four letters. Pick a letter. E. A through Z. Hello. E. Hello. E for Elizabeth. E is there. And the E is the uh, second letter of the second word. I can keep going. Yes. It's two words. Hey, yeah. yes. We got, <laughs> got first letter of the first word. A. a vegetable with a letter A. Is my turn? Nope. It's still Lizzie oh. until she misses something. But I, but it would help if Lizzie went a little faster. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> R. R. All right. There's no R. She gets the hangman, the first ahead. All right, Robbie. B. B. Yes, M. B. Okay, and oh, somebody must know the word. Hold on. Ah, well, yeah, I know that. So we've word. got the so the second word is bean, b a n. This is a cheat. This is a cheat. Oh. It only showed up as Same. three things for me. You can either how's, guess. How's my bean game? Um, what bean starts with an a? <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, T. T. I think I know what it is actually. No, we got the torso. Gianni Storm, you're up. Make a letter or guess the word. You can guess the um oh okay, I was just about to ask you that. Um a, you show up on my thing. C. You're picking a letter C. No, we got an arm, Lizzie. What would I choose C? <laughs> How come they don't show I us the letters that have already been picked? They do. They're um, they're they're blanked out. Blanked out. Oh, mm. I didn't notice that. Apple. Wait, hold okay. on. A E C oh. Arugula. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Arugula bean. Go ahead, go ahead, pick a letter. Pick a letter. F F F F F F. There is no F. Two arms. Uh oh, two legs left. Right. Rob, I'm gonna go with the I. The I. I. Oh yes, I at the end of the word. The U. A U. Yes, please. Oh, there is a U. Uh oh, I think he knows what it is. Uh, I wish. I wish. Uh, let's go with Q. You? Oh, a no. leg. Uh oh. One leg left. It's A A blank U blank I bean. Mm. Um letter or this? solve. Alu al amo. Has anybody figured it out online yet? You said You said L? You going with L? Uh oh, this might be for No, a it's Zuki a Azuki bean. bean. What the hell is an Azuki bean? What is it? Azuki mm-hmm. I would try it. I've never All right. heard of that. I've never heard of that. All right. No. This is the last week. Somebody's got to win. Two, four letter words. So let's go. Uh, let's, who's up? Who's up? Gianni's up now. Uh, Robbie, you started off. But this All is right. still a vegetable. Uh, still vegetables. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're hovering there. Okay. Take the O. That's an O. Oh, that's a, that's a head. Round one. Um, Gianni? Somebody's got to get it. Oh, oh. Gianni, go ahead. D. D. All right. I know, right? <laughs> Vowels or something? Guys. I want to play like Wheel my... of Fortune against Johnny. I know, Johnny. <laughs> D. Go ahead, Lizzie. J. What? 
Yes, we've got two A's, the last letter of the first word and the second to last, the third letter of the second word. Next letter? B is in boy. B is in boy. Thank you. Oh, yes. The first letter of the second word. I got this one. I got this one. Uh-oh. E? You said E? Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bean. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think I know what this is. Yeah. Yeah. B-E-A. This is. Last word is B-E-A. And. All right. Annoying. That is that there. That's the easy part. Three blanks in the first <laughs> word. <laughs> How come y'all know this and I don't? Because you don't eat your vegetables. I do, actually. I don't eat meat. What are you talking about? Uh-huh. <laughs> so, the last letter is A, the type oh, of bean. Oh, I'm sorry. I can, I can guess it. Okay, um, guess. Lima bean. Lima bean. That is it. Yes. And I hate lima beans. I hate lima yes. beans. Yes. And you finally win the game. Thank goodness. Oh, that, was, that game went longer. <laughs> We're gonna have to work on your hangman skills, people. All right, let's get into some shout outs. <laughs> All right, let's start off with Lizzie. Shout out. Um, shout out to my girl Sarah. Today is her birthday, and she hates Sunday birthdays because she's atheist. <laughs> so she's always been like no one can celebrate with me because they're in church but oh, I'm not man, in church a... I'm not in that's church so happy birthday girl happy birthday happy birthday Robbie uh, uh, shout out to everyone trying to find their way and make their lives better keep at it it gets better and don't forget about your support network reach out for help when you need it alright Johnny Storm um, shout out to everybody on TLS because next week we'll be doing Secret Santa and I love Secret Santa with us. It's so fun every year. So shout out to everybody. Yeah. Check out the show next week. All right. And my shout out goes to my wife's studio, Posh Slacking Fitness, College Park, Maryland. I'm, I'll meet you there. You guys need to show up. So I, give me some inspiration to go. Give me give me a reason to <laughs> to go. Wait, wait some there. Race him there. Tell him you challenge him to a race. Come on, Spike. Yeah. All right. I was looking online. Ernest Cooper says lima bean is not a vegetable. It's a legume. Legume. Oh, he's been watching that commercial. He's been watching that commercial. All right. (laughs) And that is officially all the time we have for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for joining us. I hope you learned something, gained a new perspective, or simply had some laughs. We will be back live next Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. As Johnny said, it's our annual holiday show and gift exchange. All of the topics also next week will be holiday related. So it should be interesting. Uh, Please be sure to check our previous episodes and never miss a new one. Subscribe to us on YouTube. And our winner for today's show for the final thought is Miss Liz E. Close us out, Liz E. Finally, Robbie didn't win one. Let's go. No. Um, but once again, I just want to offer, you know, my sincere and deepest condolences to uh, Grant Grant Wall's family, to his wife Celine, to his brother, to every all of his loved ones, his soccer family. Um, but in addition to that, I also had another um, tragic loss. This week, a friend of mine um, died this week, earlier this week, and 
I just want to extend again my condolences to her family. This is a childhood friend. I've known her since fifth grade. But also just to, you know, emphasize that mental illness is real. Mm. And if we don't start paying attention to it yeah. and treating it, you know, more people are going to suffer. Yeah. So please, yeah. please. And, I, and I'm not saying just, you know, check on people, but, you know, try to meet people where they are mm-hmm. and guide them to help. Thank you. Guide them to help. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, hugs, love and light to everyone this week. It's been tough, but we can get through it. Thank we you for that message, Lizzie. I appreciate that. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Robbie, Lizzie, Gianni. But most importantly, we've got to thank you for listening to our shenanigans each and every week. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Somebody send me a trip back.